0: I'm Elizabeth Chopin, Editor-in-Chief of Design Anthology UK. Welcome to the Design Dialogues. In this installment of our six-part travel series, produced in partnership with Accor, I'm speaking to Charlie North, VP of Interior Design at Ennismore, a collective of hospitality brands including the Mondrian, Mama Shelter, Delano, and the Hoxton. Charlie cut his teeth with interior design legends David Collins and Martin Brudninsky, and has since won multiple awards heading up Moore's in-house design team. Today we discuss urbanism and hotel design, and how the Hoxton has led the charge of opening up to communities and inviting them in. Hi, Charlie. Welcome to the Design Dialogues. Hi. Hey, (laughs) let's get talking about the Hoxton. I remember when the original Hoxton Hotel opened in Shoreditch in 2006 and going there to hang out in the lobby and have cocktails with my friends. And it was quite a while ago and that's sort of how old I am. And then there was a big gap until the next location opened in Holborn in 2014, and then a kind of quick succession of international openings over the following seven or eight years. You have Hoxton Paris and Amsterdam, Chicago, LA, Rome, and beyond. I was wondering your take on how the brand has evolved over that time, and how has the design language evolved?
1: Yeah, I think the design has always been an interesting one because every Hoxton is unique. The way that we approach the design, we invest a lot of time up front in analyzing the area, doing our our research and spending time in the city or in the neighborhood specifically. The design of Hoxton is always evolving. We spend a lot of time up front analyzing the neighborhood, doing a big research process. So the outcome is always different. There's this underlying thread of when you walk into the space, you know it's a Hoxton, but you won't really know what that is. There's like these nuances that just sort of come from it. But the design evolves with every site we do, and we think that's important for the brand.
0: I know one of the brand taglines is that the Hoxton is a series of hotels rooted in culture and community, and that each one is a reflection of its neighborhood. So what are some of the local stories and cultural gems that have influenced the design narrative for recent openings?
1: I think something that's really interesting, it's a story that I always think about, is um, when we're designing the Hoxton in Rome. We were used to just designing a a lounge and a a bar and a coffee space in the way that we normally would. And um, partway through the design process, we spent a lot of time in Italy. And we realized that there's a very different coffee culture, for example, in Italy. For anyone who's spent any time in Italy, you see that people just go in one year on the counter, have an espresso, stand at the counter and drink it, and then they leave. And we were used to people lingering in our lobbies and hanging out for long periods of time. So that was quite interesting. That was the first time that we really focused on what the locals would want and how people use the space and how they would interact with the space. There's always little cultural nuances that we pick up on in every new city and new neighborhood that we go to. But that was one that really sticks out in my mind as, as quite interesting.
0: When you first start on a new project in a new city, how does your team sort of start the research? And do you have guidelines as far as how much of the materials or the pieces need to be sourced locally, the artwork. Take me through what the team does to sort of integrate the locality.
1: Yeah, we would spend at least a couple of weeks doing an intense research period, looking at the local neighborhood, sort of really understanding what it is that should inspire our design decisions. We do like a detailed photography deck to sort of get an idea of color palettes and architecture. And we spend a good amount of time really understanding what we're working with so that we can do a design that is different and, and evolves. From an artwork perspective, we always work with local artists and we'll have a local art consultant on board who will connect us with artists. And we often have like a big mural on the wall. So in Poblenou, we have this and also in Shepherd's Bush and in Hoban we have feature murals on the wall and we've always had a local artist come in to, to do that for us. So it's a really nice opportunity for us to interact with the artist give them some direction, but we hear their stance and their position and their ideas, and we end up with something really special and really unique to the area.
0: One of the things that the Hoxton is known for is adaptive reuse of buildings and placemaking in cities. And the Shoreditch location was adapted from a car park, and Holborn was an old telephone exchange, and Paris is in an 18th century residence with those gorgeous staircases that we all love. From a design perspective, how do these projects differ, say, from the Southwark location where the building was purpose-built? How does the design process differ there?
1: I think for us, we love an old building because it has so many stories and there's so much narrative that we can, we can take from it to feed our design. New builds are harder than you're really focused on the local community. But when you get an existing property, like you mentioned, we have Paris and Amsterdam. Los Angeles, Brussels, for example, there's just a story and a narrative. So Brussels was actually originally the IBM tower built in the 60s. There was this period called Brusselsization, which was urban skyscrapers being built around this tiny, beautiful, ornate city. But this was one of those towers that was built. So that 1960s influence is really steered through our design, even down to the pink bathroom suites that we have in the guest bedrooms. So it's really nice to have a story and a thread. And I think it really does help inform the design.
0: Yeah, sort of as a launch pad. Yeah. There's a lot of talk about the hybridization of workspace and social space in hotels. Certainly the Hoxton was at the forefront of that movement in London. You know, that lobby in Shoreditch had people working on laptops long before co-working spaces were a thing. How is the way people live, work and travel different now as opposed to the way it was 15 to 20 years ago? And how has the Hoxton facilitated that through design?
1: Yeah, it's funny. I've heard stories of startup businesses being run from the Hoxton lobby. Back in the days, like you said, it was probably 10 years ago that people were sat there on the laptops using the free Wi-Fi because Wi-Fi wasn't free everywhere.
0: Yeah, or more than 10 years ago, really. Yeah.
1: So it was always the unofficial place to work for freelancers and for self-employed people. And we've always embraced that. That's always been a really important part of that lobby culture. So that was always a good thing to have. And actually, that's that that inspired our co-working brand, Working From, because we knew that people love to hang out in our spaces. So if we could take the essence of the design of our lobby spaces and build that into a co-working space, then we knew we'd be onto a good thing. And we knew we'd be able to offer something that maybe some of the other co-working brands couldn't offer. So that was a really exciting opportunity for us. But the evolution of the way that people work or the way that people live their lives there's this notion of fluidity in the way that people live their lives now and the blend of work and family and leisure and this started before the pandemic but i think the pandemic has really influenced and just motivated this more it's a big shift on priorities so family first and business works around it and i think that means that people can plan a holiday or a trip and they can stay there for longer knowing that they can work from that space as well as have family time. And there's almost this shift where it was business first, family second. And it's almost the other way around now. You can actually plan a holiday and then just tap on a bit and you can continue to work at the end. So I think all of these things impact the way that people use our spaces.
0: How does that impact the way you design the spaces?
1: I mean, our lobbies have always been designed to focus on a residential feeling. So it's homey and understated is our tagline for the hotel and the way that we approach design. So you really feel like you could be sat in your home and you could be working from home, but you're actually working from the hotel. And I think it's nice to have that sort of informal, relaxed feeling. And that's kind of what we strive for in the lobby spaces. And that's no different in the hotel lobby or in working from, it's the same vibe and the same atmosphere.
0: Yeah. I think that leads on to This idea of bringing cities and communities into the hotels, because the Hoxton sort of describes itself as a series of open houses and all of its lobbies are open around the clock. That was kind of a revolutionary thing to do because it was sort of moving away from the idea of exclusivity in hotels and keeping people out who weren't staying there and really bringing people and the city in and all of the good that comes with that. It was sort of a game changer, wasn't it? In that sense, you know, for hotels, not just working in hotels, but also the idea of creating spaces where you're welcoming other people aside from guests in.
1: Yeah, I think the notion of a lifestyle hotel has been around for quite a long time. But I think the idea that we always felt like we wanted to have the feeling of a members club, but welcome to everyone. At one point, we were calling ourselves the world's most inclusive members club. So anyone could come at any time, any age. And I think one thing that has helped that is our event spaces. So we've always had this space called the apartment and it's a very residential feeling space. It's a collection of meeting rooms, five, six or seven meeting rooms around a central pantry. So the pantry is the breakout, a place where you can just go and help yourself to snacks and teas and coffees, but you can have your business meetings all throughout the day. So it brings other people into the hotel that aren't just guests. It brings local businesses in to use these spaces for meetings. And then these even turn into private dining spaces in the evening things so i think it's like a really nice use of the space i think it's really important when we open our doors we're a confident part of the community we've already Connected with the locals. We have Hawks Friends. So we build a community with the locals even before the hotel opens. We invite our neighbors in for a first look at the hotel so they get to sort of experience it before anyone else. We send gifts to our neighbors, like cheesecake from Seabird Restaurant in Southwark and donuts from Chet's in Shepherd's Bush. And it's really nice just to engage with the locals so you, you don't feel like an alien intruding when you first open and they're already part of that community. We have hawk Shops, which always sells small products from local artisan manufacturers. So there'll be companies that we find that we, we really love their product and we can sell them always local companies. There's really an- another nice way of connecting with the neighborhood.
0: There's something about all of the Hoxtons that feels cohesive, even though they're quite distinct. So in their design and also the way they feel to be in. And I suppose... That's part of it, the branding and the approach to the community and how carefully thought through all those things are, even though they might be distinct from city to city, there's this through line with all of them and it's very consistent.
1: Yeah, I think we have our threads, our design signatures that we like to sort of respond to. So we always make sure it feels like a residential space. We make sure it's familiar and it's comforting. There's always got to be a social energy and it's inclusive and it's inviting and layers of decor. So it's always important to us that there's lots of vintage pieces of furniture and, and the local artwork that you talked about earlier. And I think just a collection of all of these things, is these undertones that we apply to every Hoxton, that we know they're the things that make it feel like a Hoxton, but the guest may not know exactly what it is. They can't put their finger on it, mm-hmm. but it's something there that makes it feel like a Hoxton.
0: What would you say is the profile of a Hoxton guest?
1: <laughs> I think that's actually really nice sort of thought because I really think that the guest profile has grown with the brand over the last sort of 10 years. So I think people in their sort of early 20s or mid 20s 10 years ago are now in their 30s and 40s and they're still coming back to the hotel. Mm -hmm. I think that's been quite interesting for the evolution of the brand because we can approach it with a different mindset and we're now doing properties with bigger rooms which allows people to stay longer or bring their families. We've got more connecting rooms, we've got suites. We introduced a new category called the homie, which was not one of our categories before, but now it's somewhere that you can come and stay. You've got a small kitchenette. You can look after your baby. There's a bathtub and a microwave and small things like that. That I think is really nice that our guest profile has kind of evolved with us. And I think that that's just a really nice story.
0: Yeah. So a little bit like an apart hotel concept, the homie.
1: The homey is more, yeah, like an apart hotel in a way. There's another category coming, which we're calling the Hawks Home at the moment. And that's probably more that concept. It's actually your apartment. There's actually three or four bedrooms and it's attached to a living room and a kitchen. So that's probably more like the apart hotel. So there's two new categories, the homey and then the Hawks Home. So the Hawks Home is really the one at the top where you could stay for a couple of weeks and you could really make it your own.
0: And going back to the idea of reusing buildings. Are there other examples, aside from Brussels, that you can sort of tell us about what the buildings were and how that influenced what you did design-wise?
1: Um, I can tell you a property we're working on at the moment, Edinburgh, the Hoxton in Edinburgh, It's a series of loads of townhouses that have been knocked together historically for its previous use. But when you see this row of Georgian townhouses from the outside, it's just a, it's a really beautiful facade. It creates a lot of complexities when you're actually designing it. Every room is a different shape and size, which is a nice story in itself. When you check into the hotel, you're probably not going to stay in the same room twice and you're going to have lots of opportunities to see different things. I think it's just really, it's a nice story when you can lean on that residential element and you can lean on the history of the Georgian architecture and the color palette of that era. Those things have really inspired the interior design of the guest rooms for the site in Edinburgh. So that will be coming soon.
0: And how big is the design team at AIM?
1: So the design team at AIM Studios is about 30 people. And that's a mixture of graphic designers and interior designers. So we take on as many Hoxton projects as we can. We do lean on external design firms sometimes. We partner with local firms in other territories and other parts of the world where we don't have capacity to take on all of the projects. But we always make sure that the design firms are people that we get on with, people who understand the Hoxton ethos, and then they bring new ideas to the table. And I think it's really nice to be able to collaborate with different teams in different places.
0: Now we'll hear a short message from our sponsor.
1: Hi. Hi. I'm Aaron Rana, interior designer at Accor. By 2050, it's estimated that 66% of people will live in urban areas. A hotel's architecture and design ultimately has to serve guests and local communities. At Accor, we design for today's lifestyle needs and the needs we predict to come in the future. Hotel lobbies are a natural place to start. They have become genuine multi-purpose social hubs across many of Accor's hotel brands, such as Ibis, Novotel and Pullman. The lobby has evolved into a natural living space for guests, travellers and locals alike. The newly redesigned Pullman Paris Montparnasse is a great example of this. Truly a hotel in which to work, rest and play. The cornerstones of modern digital nomads and pleasure travellers.
0: Where is the design of the Hoxton going next, do you think? Or I should say, where is travel in cities going? Is what people want and need changing?
1: I think we've seen a very strong and positive bounce back from COVID, probably more than we expected. And I think a lot of that is also due to our strong F&B that we integrate into the hotels. It's important that our restaurants and our bars are competing with local neighbours and they're drawing in local people to the hotel. I think that's a really essential part of hospitality moving forward. Restaurants and bars in hotels are getting stronger. They're becoming almost independent. It doesn't feel like you're sat in a hotel restaurant. I think that's really important. I think the future of travel, consumers are becoming more conscious of how you travel. I think people connect with brands that have purpose and people buy into conscious brands as well. So the brands you travel with have become a reflection of your standards and your morals and actually your identity. So the idea of the Hoxton being a good neighbor and community driven is something that everyone strives for on some levels. So I think people can really connect and engage with the Hoxton in that capacity.
0: Do you have a favorite Hoxton? (laughs) Are you allowed to say?
1: I don't know if I'm allowed to have a (laughs) favor.
0: Okay, maybe a grouping?
1: Do you know, I love Amsterdam because it's small and it's cozy and it's got an intimate atmosphere. I think when Amsterdam was first opening, people said, Amsterdam doesn't have the culture of people just going and sitting in a hotel lobby. People don't do that there. It's not going to work. Six weeks after it opened, you couldn't get a seat. And I think it just goes to show the power of what a thoughtfully designed space can do and the whole service ethos of everyone being welcome at the Hoxton. It really worked in Amsterdam. And I love Amsterdam for that because it is a small space. It feels on a residential scale and it's a nice place to hang out. But I wouldn't go so far as to say it's my favorite, but um, it's definitely up there.
0: Any others?
1: <laughs> Barcelona, New We opened New last summer and... The thing that was brilliant for me about Papa New was it was the first time that we designed a Hoxton for a Mediterranean market. We were dealing with a warmer climate for the first time because often we would do mohairs on sofas and fireplaces, and it's a more cozy atmosphere. Poblenou was the first opportunity we got to work with a contemporary building, and we're looking at hard finishes, we're looking at a slightly industrial feel on the inside because of the neighborhood it's inspired by. Poblenou was the textile district of Barcelona. So we took lots of inspiration from these sort of industrial buildings and the textile industry. And I just think that it's one of my favorites because it's such a big space. There's so many toys. We've got multiple F&B outlets. We've got a huge meeting and event space in the basement. We've also got an apartment, big lobbies, fantastic rooms. It feels slightly more contemporary. So it's a really nice, it's a breath of fresh air to do something slightly different for the Hoxton. And I think that will inspire the design of the Hoxton moving forward is that we've now broken past that barrier and we can now focus on more contemporary interiors, which we are doing naturally moving forward.
0: As far as warmer climates, how was the experience of Barcelona versus downtown LA? Because obviously LA is a warm climate, but that building is so different.
1: Yeah, I think the building is fantastic and it was built in the early 1920s. And I think that was what inspired our design. And also we went for a slightly fresher, cooler color palette. We went for terracotta tiles in the bathroom, but it still had a really nice residential feel. But it definitely leaned on the architecture of the building a lot. Whereas Poblenou was a contemporary building. It was only built about 15 or 20 years ago. So we didn't have the story to work with. So we really focused on the local community and the local history of the area. It just has a different design approach. Both of those properties are beautiful, in my opinion. They just have a slightly different language. But hopefully, both of them you walk into and you know it's a Hoxton. You may not know why, but it just feels like a Hoxton.
0: It's interesting what you say about Amsterdam and the communal space there were doubts about whether it would take off and it did. Were there examples of Hoxton's where you expected it to take off and it actually wasn't happening as quickly as you thought?
1: I think that there's always different neighbourhoods that respond quicker than others. I think that choosing the location of the Hoxton is pivotal in its success. But I do think there's always a way of bringing in the locals, finding who your local target market is and interesting them in the property and making an F&B concept that really works for them. I think from a rooms and reservations perspective, the Hoxton is generally very popular and we don't have issues with that. I think where we can enhance the F&B, that really helps bring in the local people and can play with the F&B concept and we can really promote that and that brings the people into the hotel, into the lobby.
0: Sure. And I imagine sort of cultural programming and workshops and whatever it is that's happening in each one is also a draw.
1: Yeah, exactly. We have great lobby spaces and we hide the reception desk. It's not always the first thing you see when you come in. So you can have social gatherings in the lobby of our hotel without it feeling like you're sat in a hotel lobby. And also with the apartment and with our meeting and event spaces, there's always great opportunity to bring people in for events. If you can connect with your local audience, then... I think we have this philosophy that when when our neighbourhood flourishes, so do we. And I think it's really nice if you're engaged with your local community on many levels, then it just really helps your hotel.
0: Sure. It's interesting to think about what that universal thing is that people need that brings them into these spaces. Especially after the pandemic, people have this need to be together and connect, even if they're doing an individual activity like working on a laptop obviously, they might be drawn to a specific activity or restaurant or whatever it is. But there's also this need to be together somehow, no matter where you are. I think people want to kind of commune.
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel that. I deliberately go to the office because I like to be working around people. And if I'm not in the office, then I will go to a coffee shop or I'll go to a Hoxton lobby because it's a nice place to be. I know I'm not alone in that. I think some people are quite happy sat at home on their own and working and focusing. But I know there's a huge, huge part of the population and there's this huge focus on mental health and wellness. And I think interacting and engaging with people is a huge part of that, certainly for me. And I think it's just important that people have that space to work and to socialize.
0: Yeah. So going into working from your co-working brand, how many of the properties have designated working from spaces?
1: We have a working from in Southwark. That was the first to open, and we also have a working from in Fulton Market in Chicago. So we were designing these two properties in parallel, but with the understanding that they were going to be an extension of the Hoxton lobby culture. We have a third working from about to open in Brussels. So alongside the hotel that opens in Brussels, we'll have a, another co-working space there and a couple more in the pipeline, which uh, we'll be opening over the next couple of years.
0: Okay. Has there been strong take up from working from in Southwark and Chicago or did it take a little while? Huge. Oh, really?
1: It has been huge. I think it took a while because of the pandemic actually, because we actually opened Southwark a few weeks before the pandemic really kicked off. So everyone was working from home and and nobody obviously signed up to a co-working space at that point. But since the bounce back has happened, it's fully booked and there's a huge waiting list for businesses that want to work in Southwark in our co-working space. And I think that there's more to come. I think it's it's proven itself as a really positive concept and a really great space to be and people are really, really excited about it. So we're looking forward to opening more and, and hopefully they'll do just as well.
0: Aside from Edinburgh, are you allowed to share which properties are in the pipeline or which cities?
1: We're opening this year in Berlin and in Brussels. We have Edinburgh in the pipeline and we have a second property in Amsterdam in the pipeline opening this year as well. And a few others which I can't talk about yet.
0: Okay, top secret. Before I ask you a final question, do you feel like there are any other points that we should touch on?
1: So the hotel has a, a concept of being a good neighbor, and our tagline is a good neighbor with an open house, and that's what we touched on earlier. And
0: mm-hmm.
1: I think it makes sense that when you are a hotel selling beds to guests, that we can then look at that from like a, a charitable and a homelessness perspective. So the Hogson has a global point of view on homelessness. So we were in the business of selling beds, so why not provide beds for homeless people? So we do that in two ways. We always partner with a local charity in the city that we're in. In London, it's a charity called Shelter from the Storm. So two ways of helping those charities. One is an online donation, which guests can make when they book via the Hoxton website. And two, we actually recently did a campaign, which was a stay for a stay. So every guest that booked in December for a stay in January and February, the Hoxton donated one night at a partner shelter for a homeless person. So I think it's, it's part of being engaged with the local community and actually helping the local community flourish. And I think that's a really underlying philosophy of the Hoxton, that there's always good things happening. Also, even emergency support when there were wildfires in Portland and Los Angeles, providing accommodation for families who had been displaced. And the same thing in Paris when there were gas explosions. The families could immediately come with the proof of address just to say, look, I'm in trouble. I need somewhere to stay for a few nights. And the Hoxton Paris opened its doors and allowed people to come in for that.
0: Yeah. I mean, it seems like this philosophy of openness and inclusion has been there from the very start, even before it was acquired by Ennis Moore. Where does it come from, this strong philosophy? It's top down, it must be.
1: Yeah, absolutely. When Sharan initially acquired the Hoxton in Shoreditch a long time ago, Sharan is our our co CEO of of Ennismore and he was the founder of the Hoxton in that respect he took an existing hotel and relaunched it he created the philosophy that he wanted he wanted this loungy relaxed members club atmosphere but open to everyone and it was Sharan who took it forward to Amsterdam to Paris to Williamsburg to other sites in London and has made it an international business and an international hospitality concept it does come from the top Sharan is his concept and um, it all comes from there
0: I imagine that's the idea of making sure that the design is influenced by it, the locality is also coming from him or his direction.
1: Yeah, I, I joined Moore about eight years ago when he had just opened the third Hoxton in Amsterdam. And that was the the sort of the moment where I got to meet Sharan and and understand what he wanted to achieve out of his brand. He appointed me to lead the design team and to basically be his eyes on design for the Hoxton brand. But I've always worked very closely with him. He's great to work with and he asks the right questions and he inspires design and he really pushes us to develop and evolve our design.
0: I think we should conclude the discussion on a question that I've been asking, which is, what has been your favorite travel experience? It doesn't have to be Hoxton related, but just in general, what is your favorite travel memory?
1: One of my favorite travel experiences was quite recently. It was last year in Morocco. My wife and I stayed at a hotel called El Fen in Marrakech. Mm. When we were there for a few nights, beautiful hotel. The ability just to sit on the roof in the center of the medina is just an amazing tranquility when you're surrounded by <laughs> this sort of chaos. Yes. Um, and then we, we got a car and we went south outside of Marrakesh to Scarabio Camp. They coin it dusty luxury. It's tents in the middle of the desert with a view of the Atlas Mountains. And it's just a place where you can't hear anything. You're surrounded by deserts and the mountain view in, in the background. The hospitality is incredible. The food is absolutely amazing. And you're really well looked after when you're there. And that was just a a phenomenal experience just to be surrounded by absolutely nothing and (laughs) just read books for days. And I think it was such a such a nice experience.
0: So what do you think? the Hoxton Marrakesh? Maybe. Is that ever going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> the
1: Hoxton in tents. It's quite an interesting point because the Hoxton has this ability to evolve outside of four walls and we've done a couple of concepts. We did Camp Hox a couple of years ago where we did tents and maybe we could take tents to the desert but it was in Oxfordshire a couple of years ago and we've taken that Camp Hox concept we've done it in vans that you could rent and you can drive around in a little Hoxton. Mm-hmm. Currently there's Hox Chalet in France and you can, it's on a takeover of a beautiful six or seven bedroom chalet and we turned it into a hoxton and you can go and take over the whole place and you have a, a chef that will cook for you. And it really is Hoxton in the mountains. So it's a great way of testing concepts and maybe one day we'll have a Hoxton ski resort.
0: Fabulous. I'm there. <laughs> and also Hoxton Marrakesh when that happens.
1: Exactly. I'll be there. <laughs> I'll see you then.
0: Brilliant. Thank you so much, Charlie, for talking to us and we'll see you in the lobby.
1: Great. See you then. Thank you. (laughs) Bye.
0: This series is produced in partnership with Hospitality Group Acor. Please tune in next Friday for the final episode of this travel series, live from Raffles Hotel in London's historic Old War office. Thanks for listening. See you then.